Hello, hello. Welcome back to the Black on Black Education podcast. This week, you're going to be hearing an incredible conversation. I was so excited to have it with Ms. Kashima Hutchinson and Lauren Melendez, the director and co-director of the Futures Initiative CUNY program that I had the pleasure of being a part of and just graduated from. I have learned so much and have grown so much uh, from knowing these two incredible women. And so I was so excited to be able to sit down and have an in-depth conversation about their path to higher education, um, their love and and insight into the importance of mentorship, and honestly, their personal journeys to education and to serving students. And so I hope you guys enjoyed the conversation just as much as I did. They were dropping gems and I am so excited um, for you guys to hear those. So sit back, relax, grab a snack, and enjoy the 30th episode of the Black on Black Education Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Hello, welcome back to the Black on Black Education Podcast. As always, I'm going to give my guests the opportunity to introduce themselves. Hi everyone, I'm Laura Melendez, Director of the Futures Initiative Undergraduate Leadership Program. I'm also admin specialist of the same program at the CUNY Graduate Center. Um, the Futures Initiative Program advocates equity and innovation in higher education at every level of the university. Uh, do you want me to talk a little bit about FI or do you just want to keep it Okay, so the Futures Initiative extends its collaborative peer-to-peer practices across institutions, uh, disciplines, national boundaries, and economic and social disparities, promoting reinvestment in higher education as a public good. Uh, One of the Futures Initiative's key areas um, are our unique interdisciplinary, interinstitutional team tour courses that we have. Um, is very crucial within CUNY because, again, if anybody um, attends CUNY or knows anything about it, it's spread out across 25 campuses, and we are under one umbrella, CUNY, City University of New York, but it is very divided, and so these courses uh, encourage collaboration amongst uh, junior and senior faculty, and they're able to bring us innovative um, practices and courses that we are currently missing and that are that the that the um that the university is basically void of at this time mm-hmm. um another program that we have under fi is the fi undergraduate leadership program which my fabulous host uh eva Lurie, is um currently in the cohort of and we love having you as an addition we're gonna miss you now that you're graduating <laughs> um and so this is our fifth iteration i'm the director of that program my lovely colleague Kashima is also co-director of that program and we basically we have students from over the different CUNY campuses and we teach them how to be leaders within their communities within their campuses pedagogical skills shares we do different activities that help them step into their leadership that will not only help them while they're in college but will take them on their journey beyond um i also am a school counselor i work with youth within the new york city area ages 9 through 12 well grades 9 through 12 um doing social emotional counseling mental health um, college advisement and career readiness training amazing i think that's i think that's pretty good for now (laughs) 
Um, yeah, so as Lauren mentioned, I am Shima Hutchinson, the co-director of the Undergraduate Leadership Program at CUNY. I'm also a PhD candidate in urban education, pursuing my degree, um, focusing on the theoretical framework of mattering, especially when it comes to black and brown students. Um, I also am on the education committee of the Universal Hip Hop Museum. And I also create hip hop infographics as educational tools. So I'm doing a lot in different spaces. Yes, that like goes directly into my next question of like, what made you decide these career paths? And are you still deciding what does that look like um, for your, your purpose in terms of education and education equity? Hmm. Well, my, I'm not going to go first this time. Kashima, you go first this time. Because <laughs> I didn't start in academia, so I'm going to have to go back, mm-hmm. gather my thoughts. Go ahead. <laughs> um, so this um, was actually by accident. It was Michaela Angela Davis. She pretty much um, had a conversation at the Schomburg about, someone asked her a question about connecting the, the, the older generations to the younger generations and, you know, all the disconnect within the Black community. Mm-hmm. And she's like, well, be a connector. If you see a young man with his pants, I can give him a belt, right? And of course, it's metaphorical. Don't give no little boy no belt because he might not take it as a um, well-received. It might not be well-received. But the, the, the message was, if you find that there's a problem, try to be the solution. And so I decided I wanted to go into education. And um, I hit up my homeboy. And I was just like, I want to be a high school counselor. And he was just like, what? <laughs> he was like, yo. Well, all the stuff that you're doing, you might as well just get your PhD in in, um, in education. I was like, oh, okay. And so I looked it up, and then that's how I ended up at um, the GC and then taking um, a course um, that was a futures initiative course. I met um, Lauren, Katina, and um, Kathy, and they were um, there was a position open, and it happened to be not the co-director actually it was um i moved up y'all i moved up <laughs> i was um at first i was a communications um liaison i believe that was the title it's been so many moons ago and then um you know corresponding with the students i love i love like being i still love being in the space and just having conversations with students about life education um professional outlook all that stuff so i kind of like moved that way but and now i'm oh yeah i'm also an adjunct professor for God as if I didn't have class like, like as if I didn't have class like an hour ago um where I teach critical thinking so I'm in higher education different capacities now um just because Michaela Angelis Davis said be a connector in your community mm, I love that yeah okay so I did mama just take it back to undergrad because I feel like that kind of sets the stage so I attended Lehman College, uh, CUNY all the way, from mm-hmm. undergrad, and I took up um, media and mass communications and also um, English creative writing at that time. So my thoughts at that time, I'm like, okay, I want to go into the media field. I literally was like, okay, I want to do corporate. I want to try to figure out, you know, that whole world and see what can come of it, but more so from you know, when, you, when you're a kid and you're younger, you think about media and you're thinking like the, the nice side of it. You're like, oh, you know, maybe you could work in production. Maybe you could be, you know, in the studio and all this kind of stuff. Ladies, 
that was not my experience <laughs> when I went into the corporate field. I mean, mm. luckily, I like at the time, even when I was doing my undergrad studies, I was like working for the city. I've literally been working since I was 14 years old straight. So I, I keep a job. You understand? And listen, you know how it is being um, a CUNY student. It's commuter. You know, you, you people are parents who are, you know, uh, students they have several jobs they got they raising kids they ra raising siblings it's a lot going on so my you know luckily I was like working at that time I happened to be interning at Standard Bank doing like temp work and one of the ladies there um was just fierce boss lady and she actually her partner worked at Fox um, television station and was able to connect me to her partner and got me an interview. And that's how I was able to get my foot mm -hmm. in the door there doing like assistant work and, and sales and stuff. So fast forward that, you know, I'm learning the ropes and everything, but as you know, when you, you in corporate and when you're in the media field, you're dealing with everything. When we're talking about being black, being a, a woman, when you are talking about that being a, a male and white dominated field, it was an experience to say the least and you are at fox fox right D just to set the stage that's where i started <laughs> at fox so after fox that took me to um initiative ad agency where i was doing like media buy-in which same type of setup you know but now i'm on the agency side and then from there i went to espn and i doing digital and sales buying and planning there so it was a decade of hopping around, trying to figure out my footing and, you know, just meeting other um, black women and, and people who were in the industry that I connected with. Like I have friends to this day that I met that I would work with and that I connected with. So there were good people and there were, you know, how we talk about mentorship and like in those settings, you will not survive without some sort of mentorship mm -hmm. in those mm -hmm. environments to say when you're coming from like underserved communities and you, you know, that's not your experience and you have no one training you or giving you a heads up about, you know, what goes on in these spaces and how it's supposed to, um, you know, how you climb the ladder. These are not things that are being discussed. This is not things that I had access to or were privy to. And I would say that the mentors that I met at that time were crucial, but mm -hmm. in the back of my mind, I always had the secret that I wanted to go back to grad school and that I wanted to do something with the youth. So I kept it to myself because again, I would say corporate is very clicky and they're very about what you're doing there. They, they're all for advancement. If it's going to be something in the business field and, and it's going to help towards your role that you're doing there. If mm -hmm. it has anything to do with you, like going to school outside of there, or you want to do PhD, you want to do this. They're just like, Oh no girl. Why? You know how hard it is to get into these companies. And like you, you black, you're a woman, you made it in here and you trying, mm -hmm. you trying to do what it's like, you, they honestly just wouldn't even hear it out. And it would be like a, a thing where you just, you're like, why did I even say something? So I just kept it to myself. Finally, when I got to ESPN, my boss, um, she's like a, a number whiz because I, honestly, when you work in those settings and like being that I was doing planning, you can't even make a mistake on like those grids and things. And if you do, they approach you and it's a situation where you're like, oh, um, we don't make mistakes here. So like your number savviness and, and just like your Excel detail and just everything has to be top notch numero uno. So one day I came to her and I said, well, Heidi, how did you, you know, 
how did you get here? Because she also has several years in the media field. And she was like, oh, um, honestly, I've been doing this work, hopping around, because that's another thing. If you know people that work in that industry, they hop around. It's, it's almost like the culture. You don't stay nowhere longer than three years, whether you want to or not, it, you're moving on. So she's like, yeah, I was hopping around. And honestly, I didn't feel like this was a good fit for me. And I was going to go back to school to become a, a math teacher. So once she kind of exposed that about herself, I said, oh, well, maybe this is the time I can come clean about wanting to go back to do school counseling, which is what I was thinking of doing for graduate school while I still was in that field. But again, I'm working crazy hours. Nobody is giving me the opportunity to be able to like cut out early to go to a class. I didn't even know how I was going to be able to do it. So once I revealed that to her, she actually supported me and said, you know what, I'm all for it. You know, you, you're a great worker and, you know, how I can support you, I will, but we'll just keep it between us. And, you know, if you need to um, go on, you know, grad school interviews or whatever it may be, then, you know, by all means, you know, keep it low, but, you know, yeah. it'll be fine. So that's eventually how I applied to graduate school. And then that's when I found futures because I knew that I wasn't going to be able to stay in that field and like still be able to make the transition to go back to school. It just was a lot of different factors. And then yeah. when I came into FI, I was able to actually make the studies a priority and finish the degree. Mm. So that I think that story is so important because there were so many different factors that had to fall in place for you to end up where you are now. And I think a lot of people, especially right now with the pandemic and so many of us graduating into an unstable economy, graduating into an unstable job market, um, you always had that, this is what I love in the back of my head. And, and I think Kashima also brought this up. Like you always had that, I wanna work with youth. I wanna work with, with young folks and like, and work with my community in the back of your head. Yes. But it took several, notches to push you to get there it wasn't just like oh i woke up this was my plan i did this 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 and then i got there and now i work for the grand center no. like that's just not how that kind of brings me in to like want to think about what was it about your educational experience that started to kind of gear you toward wanting to be that person for young folks now for me that was my upbringing i'm mm. like in the south bronx born raised i just moved from the bronx maybe within the last three years mm. um, Jersey. but like literally when i go back to my neighborhood and and the places that i've lived there the students it it almost is like it's mind-boggling when you think about how much the, the people who live there like the children and the, the students that are coming up now they have no idea how crazy it is to try to survive in the world. And I'm talking about on a basic level when, and you know, let's not even talk about graduate school is that a lot of them don't even see the importance in regular school. I'm talking mm -hmm. about K-12 education. It's like the interest is not there. They, you know, they're looking at social media. They're looking at YouTube. They're trying to think of ways that they could get rich quick. So traditional education is like out, is, is phasing out really when you think about it. So I just felt like, well, you know what? I said, nobody, I said, luckily I had like my mom who was very much into education and what I would say was my best teacher that I've had thus far because she gave me the teaching of life. You know what I mean? Through, through the struggles, through the good, through the bad, in addition to the academic piece, can't nobody else teach me more. You know what I mean? And then also being the display of what to do, what not to do 
and looking at how all of that turns out right in front of you. It's like, you're not going to get a better course or teaching mm -hmm. from nobody. You understand? So when I would think about the youth, I'm just like, because, you know, I got little cousins. I got nieces. I got five nieces. And I got, like, a lot of children that are around me. I'm like, I'll ask them, like, so what y'all doing, school, this and that? Spaced out. You know what I mean? <laughs> just like, mm, we doing this, we doing that. But there's no... There's no interest there. There's no fire there. Mm -hmm. And then when I'm asking them what they want to do when they get older, oh, I don't know. You know, it's sort of like, I have time. And I'm like, you may think you have a lot of time, but that time is going to come quick. And the, the more you're spaced out about it or trying to basically run from the, the time frame, we wasting time. Like, you should be able to tell me something, especially by high school, like, even what you're thinking about. Of course, it's, it probably will change. You know right. what I mean? But where's the fire? And I just yeah, felt like, yeah. you know, I just really just said, you know what? I want somebody to be there for, I would like to be there for someone, how somebody maybe was not there for me to basically like, I'm not gonna say hold my hand, but at least show me, tell me something about what I was about to embark on. It's, it's brutal. <laughs> you know what I mean? And it's like, I don't want to see them fail at, at the, uh, the hands of something that could have been told and changed their whole uh, trajectory. Mhm. Mm yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, everything everything you said um as far as I'm concerned um as far as experiences like definitely having coming from a household where um education was emphasized uh my grandmother only had a third grade education so and she loved mm -hmm. school. So right. she was just like education 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 there was no you know how they have like gender roles where it's just like men do this and women do this it's like mm -hmm. oh you want to be like the president of america okay let's go you know what i mean mm -hmm. Same. that was very, always enforced and i've always been blessed to have sorry i'm having pains in my in my back and so alone. Mm -hmm. my chair i don't know what happened it don't yeah go like i got a shot <laughs> just a while ago and i was like whoa um i apologize but um we it was School was a, um important as well because like we mattered in school, right? And you mm. know, by the time you get to high school, they're like, you know, you're just gonna be just a number. You're gonna be just a number. My principal shook my hand every day that I walked into that building. He shook mm. everyone's hand, mm. right? And so like having things like that come into play and like knowing that like a lot of schools didn't have that, right? My school didn't even have metal detectors because they understood that mentality of the school to prison pipeline. Right. He, my principal didn't get it 100 percent correct. Right. He still had these um, initiatives that were not the best. But nevertheless, the intention and the intent to make it so that you don't feel like you're less than anyone else or always in place. I remember one time our um, guidance counselor, we called her Killer Cam, rest in peace, Miss Camarada. And Killer was singing a song like, I am somebody I know I can't. And it was on a sheet of paper. And we had to like sing with her before we got into the school. Like they, like mm -hmm. you have to say these words before you walk to your class. Mm. And we were just like, come on, killer. Like, what do you do it? Like, you know, it's like too early in the morning. My tea's in my hand. It's mad hot. Can you remember the, the cup of Joe's? Like yeah. back in the day, I'm dating myself right now. <laughs> but like, so it's just like things like that where it's just like, our experiences let us know that like you want this for the younger generation and you see and you hear that that doesn't exist anymore mm. right or if it does it's in small pockets in in different places and so when you hear about 
the school to pr prison pipeline, when you hear about mass incarceration, when you hear about um, gun violence, you know that there's the community isn't where it needs to be. Mm -hmm. And so how do you make an impact with what you know? Absolutely, absolutely. And I think from what you guys are saying, it's kind of the same reason for me why I chose education and why I'm going on that same sort of path. I luckily, in school, I don't remember having a lot of negative experiences in school. And I think um, one of you touched on, I'm not, I don't remember who said it, but like in school, I mattered. Like I, I, I mattered in school. I, I was cool. I was popular. Other kids thought I was cool, thought I was popular. Teachers thought I was funny. So like I mattered. So I, it felt like a place that I should hold to a high standard. Whereas some people, unfortunately, are in school systems that don't show them that they matter. And when, and when the school system doesn't show you that you matter, why would you invest in that place? If you're not investing in me, why would I invest in you? And too often we don't think about um, schooling when kids have issues in schooling or when kids don't buy in to, to, to the school mentality. We don't place the blame on the school. We place the blame on the child. And Correct. too often the, the school is not investing in that child. And so, the, and so the, 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 you know, like people say, like, the kids are keeping that same energy. If you, if you are going to, if you're going to not invest in me, then I'm not going to invest in you. Like, why is that simple? And so, and so that's, that's crazy. And I think it brings us to kind of the next thing that I wanted to ask of like, what is urban education? So like, Kashima, you're studying in the urban education program at the graduate mm -hmm. school. And so like, what is that? And why is the research coming out of programs such as this so important to those kids that we were just talking about? Urban education is an umbrella term. Mm -hmm. So um, urban, as um, there's a lot of controversy over the word urban itself because it's coded for black and brown, right? And then you have urban, which is city, like, right? Metropolis, which is different from, you know, students who are in the suburbs who drive cars to their school, right? And so when we're looking at urban education, how I define it, right, because I'm looking at my black and brown students and I'm looking at the structures and how they impact their education. And when I say structures, I'm inclusive of healthcare. I'm inclusive of NYPD. I'm inclusive of um, markets, job markets and how it affects the students, their parents and how um, that relationship impacts their learning. And so all these factors combined um, makes up this definition of urban education. And so when I, th that's that. And then the research that is coming out of it varies, right? So just because someone says, oh, I'm urban education, doesn't mean that they're for your children. That's right. Let's be clear about Wait, what- Wait, can we say that. that louder for the people in the back <laughs> one more time? <laughs> it doesn't mean that they're for your children. And so you get these studies, right, and these research findings that look mm -hmm. at our children as a deficit model, right? Mm -hmm. They look at our children as what they can't do, right, or what they won't do, or um, how they fail these tests, right, or use the test as a barometer and for their success. And so for me, it's like, no, right? I'm coming in there. I'm with my, you know, my Sean John sweatsuit, and I'm like, nah, you're not doing this, right? And I'm going to take your same research, I'm going to take your same lit review, I'm going to mm -hmm. flip it on you and return it to you in a way that allows you to understand and see that these students are more than what 
is being cited right here, right? Mm -hmm. Because there's a canon for this urban education and the canon is trash, right? I had to unlearn the first year of my program, and I'm not afraid to say this, get at me if you want. First year of my program, all those readings just made me realize how you program us and how you continually mm -hmm. uh, institutionalize us to failure, right? Because you never saw us as whole to begin with. Mm -hmm. And so I had to unlearn Dewey. And you're like, Dewey's the founding father of education. Yes, and that's why we're in the same place we were in since 1619. Let's go. <laughs> Wait, hold on. Wait, 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 wait. I'm going to make a You just did a whole lot. We have to unpack. You just did a whole lot. Okay. Some universities that will not be named. No, I'm naming them. I'm naming them. Oh, you're naming them. But I'm saying, I'm saying some universities that will not be named. Right. John Dewey is the first thing you hear when you walk into the institution. John Dewey. Education. John Dewey. You're like, we have to be able to hold two truths at the same time. Multiple we have truth. to be able to do that. Multiple we have right? multiple truths. Absolutely. Right. We have to be able to hold multiple truths at the same time. We can have a truth that this is the founding father of the education that doesn't work. We could, right. we, have, we have to, we have to hold these multiple things that if we take what was written at this time, we're going to have kids that are coming out of school with the same sorts of problems that they were having then that weren't being addressed right so I, I i you said it so beautifully and that 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 like that tidbit <laughs> got chills because <laughs> i think too often we look at that lit review and we're like well that's the literature that's the research we have to go by what the research says mm -hmm. we also have to unpack the 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 belief system of the people who wrote that literature and mm -hmm. too often that is totally forgotten especially mm -hmm. in the in the realm of education because we're looking at classrooms that look the same that they did a hundred years ago. Right. And we have to also understand that what we're internalizing too, right? Because like there was a, this book that I read, but I keep forgetting the name every time it, it comes in, in a, because I'm on, I learned him, right? Um, there's a chapter, well, throughout the book, he's words keep coming up like imbecile and like all these negative words. And I was just like, this is, this is, I'm an, an easy and then, like my white, um, one of my um, white colleagues didn't have a problem with the reading. I was like, "But you're responsible for all these kids. There's an issue here, right?" And so when I brought it up in class, they were like, "Whoa, whoa, whoa! You can understand at the time that you've written it." I was like, "Yeah, but we're reading it now." Exactly. And so if you don't bring that up, right, right. And so like you read books, um, educational books. Um, with like even the mentality of there, like a white savior is a, a, is a thing, it's a complex. But then you have to understand that if we're reading it, we're as people of color, as black people, we're internalizing it as well. And if we're internalizing, then we are perpetuating the same things that they've done hundreds of years ago. And we got to stop. Absolutely. So when I walk into these spaces, I make people uncomfortable and I'm okay with that. And that is the epitome of a safe space. And I, I think that's something when I, whenever I have conversations with friends who are like, oh, we're going to have a safe space. I'm like, safe does not mean safe to walk out of here with the same belief system that you had before you came in. That's not safe. Because who is that, because, who is that safe for? It's safe for you, but it's not safe for me. Right. Who let y'all walk out of here thinking these same things. That's right. And, and so. Friends. Oof. Term loosely. Yeah. That, yeah, no. That's a whole 
That's a whole nother episode. <laughs> it's a lot. It's a, whole, it's a lot. It is. It's super, super heavy, but then it makes me feel so excited of like how many episodes that I've had with these same sort of belief systems coming in. So then I know that there are so many different people having that conversation. And I think basically what it is that I'm trying to do with Black on Black Education is bring all of those things to one space and bring all of those things to a place where we're like, oh, these are all those other people and all those other folks who, who believe the same things that I believe. Now let's scale, but together, because collective power is how you get absolutely the actual systemic right. changes um right. and so, so speaking of systemic changes um there are a million and one barriers to undergraduate and graduate level education um so both of us understand that and so what advice would, are, are we giving to students who are in their 7th through 12th year so those extremely formative years um that are in low-income communities that are in communities of color where they don't feel like they matter what advice would you give those students to to show them that one people are fighting for them but also two that they can do it and they can overcome the those deficit models um that are that are in place they're gonna have to they're gonna have to come into tune with with their education and also what they want to get out of it. Because mm -hmm. anytime that you go to school, you don't you're not guaranteed to have a walk through the park. You're basically you're signing up to go through a process, and the process may not look how you thought it was going to look. But at the end of it, you need to know that you need to get what you came to get out of it, mm -hmm. if you can. You know what I mean? Because mm -hmm. it all depends on the institution circumstances. That all can take shape and form as well. But I feel like if if not now like with the pandemic with everything going on with you know black and brown being killed at how many more you know uh percentage of rates opposed to our white counterparts and it's not even just let's not talk about the pandemic let's talk about the systemic inequality that was happening way before the pandemic and why it, it, it's come on and now it's like oh my god are we surprised that the that the numbers are high are we surprised that you know oh the well underlying conditions well this that let's get to the root you know what I mean? And it's like, and yet, you know, they, they have these different stories coming out and it's like, oh, you know, well, it, it, as if it's like our fault. It's, <laughs> it's amazing how no matter what happens, it's always our fault. It falls on, the, on our shoulders, no matter what. Mm -hmm. So I feel like black and brown students, people of color, the ones that are from underserved communities, if education, which I don't know how it wouldn't be, is, is going to be your angle, you have to figure out how and what you're going to get out of it. Like, for, for example, I'm, I'm thinking of going to pursue my graduate degree. Uh, what is this? PhD now after this, because I've done <laughs> the master's degree. So I'm like, okay. I'm like fighting with myself about it. I'm like, what are, what are you going to get out of this? What's the plan? Because I just, I don't need more letters behind my name to make me feel no kind of way. Like, mm -hmm. you know what I'm saying? Like, is this going to be substantial work? What you trying to do? You know what I mean? And th these are the candid conversations I have with myself. So again, I feel like anybody who, you know, sometimes you, you need to mature and you kind of, you kind of got to get in there and like feel your way. I get that. But once you are in and the time is ticking, the money you, you having to pay for these courses and stuff, you need to really think about what you're going to do with your education as you go forward and how you can connect that. And now as we go forward with the world, with the pandemic, like how things are going to be different, you know mm -hmm. what I mean? What, what you're taking and what you're going to spend time on studying does this make sense where we're going? Absolutely. You know what I mean? And then also just also reiterate into young people that 
school is not a one for, uh, one size fits all. Like I know that you know you 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 don't see the benefit out of it right now, but it's something that can't be taken away from you. And mm-hmm. trust and believe, the time goes by quick. So you could have been doing a million other things, yes, but it's not a bad space to be in. And I think mm-hmm. when you are educated yourself and you went through it, that's the only way that you can actually be uh, a sounding voice to students who are not are not trying to hear it. Because mm-hmm. there's a lot of them that are that fall into that category, and they're just like, well, school is not for me. Mind you, are some of the brightest, most brilliant people you'll run into, and they're just like, mm, I'm good. So every I feel time, like, yeah, every time I'm talking about, they know more technology than you. They mm-hmm. they they don't have to study like how we got to study or, or whatever any facet of it. You're like, you are the poster child for school, yet they don't have. I, I don't got time for that. You know, I. <laughs> You you went to school for how many years? What? It's like you. It's almost like you got to sell them on it, and you don't have no pitch. They just like, nope. Yeah, no. Lauren, I know a guy who hates math but runs his own business and does his own books. So it's like how? It's, yeah. So it's, it's like he and he hates math and the mm-hmm. fact that he's just like I don't in the mental that he doesn't know how to do it, mm. right? Because of his schooling. And he li- oh. directly, directly linked it to a, um, a, a teacher, mm. an experience with oh. a teacher. And I'm listening to him and I was like, okay, cool, fine. But you definitely just did your own books though. You do it, <laughs> right? You run your company. But okay, I'm going to take that. Um, <laughs> right. Like he's a song, but I know better, right? And I, right. Think, I think, you know what? School isn't for everybody. Let's just be straight up and down about it, right? Absolutely. School isn't every for everyone. However, one of the best advices I'd um, best advice I've ever gotten from my dance teacher was no matter what you um, major in, take an economics class because you need to know how um, money works in this country. Yes. Right. Supply, demand, the yep. angle curve, all of those things. Take an economics yep. course because you need to know because this is America. It's either money or violence. Pick one. Mm-hmm. And so I, I I don't say, you know, go for three years, go for four mm-hmm. years. I say, if you're going to go, make sure you take an economics class. If not, take a like adult learning, educate, you know, those advanced classes that, you know, you just sit down for a few weeks for a couple of hundred dollars or whatever, or certificate mm-hmm. program. Do that because at least you have something in your toolkit, mm-hmm. right? It's important mm-hmm. that your toolkit exists and it's diverse, right? You want breadth and you want depth. Mm. make sure you take that economic class no matter who you're going to be a bus driver that's fine because when you get that money figure out how to, to maneuver your pension figure out how to do this figure out how to, you got you're going to have grandkids right you're going to have bills right figure out that money that if you think not like yes and in addition to it now that i'm thinking with the level of competition that's going to be happening out here i'm just thinking like think about the weight that our high school diploma holds in 2020 Think about, like, even when you're talking about city jobs, blue-collar jobs, like, think about what you could get with just a, a high school diploma. I don't even know what you can get. You understand? So it's like, now you start thinking to yourself, well, what am I going to be able to get depending upon how far I go in education? Because sometimes, absolutely what uh, Kashima said, that it's not that, you know, yes, school is not for everyone, but there are people also that I know that wanted city jobs they couldn't even get them because they didn't they didn't go to college. You needed cre- college credits just to do that too. Mm-hmm. So 
now they're making it where you have to have some some sort of uh higher education teaching period so i but again be strategic in the route that you take you know what i mean because it's not for everybody and and also school is not guaranteeing you anything just like going right into the workforce is not is not guaranteeing you anything you could do either angle and you know i know plenty of people who didn't go to college that make way more money than I do right now. You understand? They mm-hmm. The stars aligned and they got lucky or whatever may have happened and there they are. But then there are people who navigate it and, you know, they may not make the most money, but they have more job security in certain situations. Some people have more benefits. There's all types of... Checks and balances. And it's, it's just that ability. I think something that I've always believed mm-hmm. is that for me in my personal experience school and and then outside of school so my parents and my specifically my dad taught me to love to learn and once you teach someone to love to learn whatever comes after that is 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 semantics like going to college is a decision or a choice that you can make when you need to make it but if you love to learn you'll get through it and and then and so on. So so for me, I don't plan on after after I go to grad school needing to then go and get a second grad degree or needing to go. I don't. But some people some some people. But I know that if I turn fifty two and I decide now I'm fifty two and I want to be an economist, I can right. figure out what right. what needs to happen for me to fix to, what what that means because the process of learning something new is enjoyable to me and so for all of those students that are this is not for me i don't like school i don't do this let's pick and choose what you can get out of school while you're there <laughs> so that you can prepare yourself for whatever it is that comes next because we don't talk about entrepreneurship nearly enough um in our communities not nearly enough because how many entrepreneurs don't have college degrees don't and they're out and they're making their money and they're doing what they got to do that's a possibility but you have to know what you're doing and the only way to know what you're doing is to learn mm-hmm. agreed um, and so i added my own advice to y'all seven <laughs> Um, that's right look into entrepreneurship take a few classes at a community college do not let um decision day on where everyone's going to college and high school dictate um what you're going to do with your life because at the end of the day most of those people peaked in high school maybe in college but probably in high school and so if you like i remember the the i didn't go to decision day for, for my high school. I didn't go because I was going to a CUNY. I was like, oh, every, there's people going to Harvard's and Duke's and all these other great schools. And I'm just going to John Jay. So let me just stay myself home. And I'm not going to talk about it. Ride out this last month of school. And that's going to be it. And it's the best decision I could have made for my life. I've been to six countries, uh, like just all of these different things I've been able to do that. If I went to the university of Tampa, I would not have been able to do that because I wouldn't have money to do that. And like, we got to figure out how to help these students make choices within, within the scope in which they have without allowing outside factors to determine what they believe success means. Like success does not mean going away to college and dorming. That's not, that that doesn't directly equate to you being successful. How many think that? Right? right. Like have, so true. Have, if right. I don't do it this way, and, right? And and it's just like the one on Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the justice conversation shows 
that everyone's path, so many, and I think not just this conversation, if you listen to any of the episodes on this podcast, almost every single one of them did not have a direct line to where they are now. Almost none of them did. Wow. And so if you're, ste- if you're stepping into middle school, stepping into high school, leaving high school, like I think the synopsis of what everyone is saying here is make sure you know how to manage your money, which we definitely talked about on two episodes ago. Um, and make sure that you are staying limber. Like things change, people change, choices change. That's okay. And like be comfortable in that. Um, yeah, like that is... And I think statistically, they said, um, like, you know, Generation X and like the millennials, they're going to have several, several career paths. So it, it doesn't even matter. It's like you, you just, but that goes back to the core components of learning that, mm-hmm. okay, yeah, I don't like to learn. But if you've learned how to navigate in school, that's, that's a skill. So again, it's like, you're going you're gonna to be able to use that in the workforce. You're going to be able to use that if you have to go back and, and learn a, a certain skill to be able to change and transition into another field, because that's basically what's going to, going forward, it's even happening now. I, I don't know anybody who's like had been in one job and like that's been, yeah, no. And, and if not, they're like doing several things. Mm-hmm. They're, they're like t- teaching adjunct. They're, they're doing their own business on the side. They're walking dogs. They do it's like you know what I mean it's like it's just a lot like a lot going on so again the more versed and the more equipped you are to be and like you said limber flexible to be able to say okay I can now take this teaching and I can apply it to here you know I also know how to do this you know I I know some uh I know I'm actually a low-key mechanic it's like you may have to do everything you just don't know that now in our economy and our society is so like if there's nothing else that we can see from the pandemic and everything look at the unemployment rates look at how many how many people have lost their jobs how many Furlough. jobs are are not secure oh. no hmm. no they're not it's like i don't know anybody exactly and it's like okay so what what are we gonna do yep you have to have a second choice and so i think it's both things when it comes to education and advancing it it's changing the system because the system is not helping um create the system is not helping create students that are ready for all of that change but also right creating i don't even remember what i was going to say there was two yes it's us being prepared right the system Mm -hmm. needing to change but it's also us needing to change to be limber to work to be flexible to be able to work within an ever-changing system and that makes me it brings me to kind of the next thing that I wanted to talk about Mm -hmm. is mentorship and how you can use mentorship to find that flexibility or to become better at overcoming the obstacles that we all have within the education system and outside of it like us just trying to be human beings how important is it finding someone who is like-minded or not like-minded, but who's willing to invest in you um, and in your success? I think mentorship is crucial. You could mm-hmm. be in secondary, you could be an undergraduate, you could be uh, in graduate, you know, even just in a career in the workforce in general, it's uh, imperative that you have mentors around you and people that you can turn to if you need to 
you know, have questions, if you are unsure about something. Like, and also I want to highlight something you said, not only that are, that are like-minded, but also that may not be like-minded. Because mm-hmm. again, like a lot of my mentors and people I look to for advice, they're, they're older than me. And also they don't look like me. Mm. Frank, I, I do have some that, you know, some luckily, but not all. And the majority probably don't. Mm-hmm. So someone would say, oh, well, you know, some people get in the box of thinking that everybody that's going to help you is going to look like you. Absolutely not. Get that out of your head right now. Absolutely not. Right. You are going to come into contact with people who are from different cultures, backgrounds, races, the whole thing. And you need to judge one as each one. As you meet mm-hmm. people, you need to give them a fair shot and you need to, to figure out who this person is and do it on a one-by-one case. Do not make any assumptions. It's the same thing with uh, how Kishima was saying, people who teach within the urban ed- education and you thinking like, oh, that they are advocate for you and that they're teaching the right things. That may not be the case. You have to go on that trail and you have to do your research and find out what's for, what's not, and, and, and what's also the same stuff we've been reading for a hundred, the hundred, last hundred years. So I, I think just when it comes to like college uh, mentorship, I think is crucial. I think you should always be looking for someone that is in the fields that you're trying to aspire to go into. They could give you an inside candid look on what they day-to-day looks like, mm-hmm. what it would be like there, what the culture environment is like. I feel like a lot of um, young women who I've mentored and who I still am in con- connection with that are going into these jobs for the first time, it's, they, they were in for a rude awakening. And I, and I never want to tell somebody, you know, oh, it's going to be a show. You know what I mean? I never mm-hmm. want, want to tell somebody because everybody's experience is different. But once they get in and they kind of see what you're dealing with multiple factors. And mm-hmm. that goes back to even with the Futures Initiative with how we try to prepare the students like for life. Because at the end mm-hmm. of the day, we have we create the space where we can talk about these things. There's not mm-hmm. many places that you can. That's in the academic setting, to be to be quite frank. So where would a lot of them be if they didn't have the space and they weren't able to come and say, you know, what needed to be said down to, can I even negotiate my salary that I want? Is that okay to even ask? You know, um, how do I know? Is, will I be uh, reprimanded or, or let go if, if I say anything? You know, mm-hmm. oh, I have a, a problem with, um, with a faculty member. You know, I'm ready to pop off. What, what can I do? It's like, Kashima and I just got a question, just got a whole <laughs> thing about that, <laughs> like two days ago. I mean, it's happening. You know what I mean? So you you need you need it. It's survival, <laughs> I would think. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I just want to say, like, just to add on, for you to figure out who that mentor is, pay attention. Mm-hmm. Right. And so. Like I had an issue with something and I brought it to a professor and he trashed it. And, and I, I was like, oh my God, he trashed it. And I was telling my friends and it was like, ew, why are you even listening to him? I was like, are you kidding me? His perspective is something that I've never even thought of. Mm-hmm. And so because of that, I'm going to use that to leverage my work. And so just because someone says, you know, or shuts you down, first of all, think about why they're shutting you down why they're talking you know and sometimes it's just because of pure ignorance let's be real but sometimes it's just they don't know and mm-hmm. they are trying to say this isn't going to work because of what i know mm-hmm. right and so when we're looking at mentors and sometimes it's like a 20 minute mentor right mm-hmm. where you just go and say i need your thoughts on xyz and mm-hmm. so as an educator if you don't 
educators out there, you should be able to provide at least 20 minutes to say, here's my time for you because you are an educator. Now, if the educator said, shuts you down, why are they shutting you down? What did you do? What did you not do? What did you need to include? You know what I'm saying? Because you're, you're creating something, you're doing something. And so when they give you back that perspective, what happens is you get to learn about what you're doing and how you're doing it, right? Mm -hmm. So it's really a, a reflective tool. A lot of students don't see it that way. It's like, oh, this person's a jerk because they said X, Y, Z. Like one of my professors trashed one of my papers, right? PhD paper. He was like, what did he say? He said something like, the paper is good. It's just your writing. I was like, my, my writing is the entire paper, sir. What are you talking about? <laughs> right? Just but, saying, right? <laughs> but the thing, but what I, uh, what I came to, when I like read the liner notes, mm -hmm. I saw what he was saying as far as my objective versus my execution mm -hmm. and so I got why he said it and so I never take harsh I always want criticism that's without malice right so mm -hmm. it can be harsh as it, it can be but I have to understand and figure out why they're coming from why they're saying what they're saying so I say this to students they say well, your mentors right because they're guiding me into a certain space they're guiding me to this thing right and some of them just can't articulate articulate the way that you would understand it. Mm -hmm. Never take it personal. It's not about you. If, if and when it's ever about you, disconnect, mm -hmm. right? Because some people just don't like you for whatever reason. There are people like that, by the way. Yeah. But someone is just saying, because he said, it, you know, I liked it, but it was just the writing. It wasn't a stab to me. Mm -hmm. And he wasn't trying to be shady or anything. Right. I could tell that, like, the time that he took with the paper was dedicated mm -hmm. to my thoughts and my writing. Mm -hmm. yeah. Right? Because there's, there's markings everywhere. Right? So this is not just a, let me hurt her feelings. This is a, this is, improve this here, tweak this here. This, this. Mind you, I handed it in my Christmas Eve for a deadline. Keep that. You know what I'm saying? So, so you have to contextualize things and never take it personal when it comes to um, mentors and who can. And this person is very supportive, by the way. Mm -hmm. Came to me the other day. Was like, I heard X Y Z about you. That was messed up. What they did. Don't think. And I didn't know anything about it, or else I would have addressed you before this. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that's when you know people are really looking out for you. And so right. too often, I feel like in my in my life. It took too long for me to get, in terms of my academics, to get the mentorship that I needed. Like my dad didn't buy into the traditional education system when he was a kid. So he didn't go to college when he was in high school, middle school, elementary school, he didn't care. So when it came to my schooling, he didn't know how to care because he didn't care. And he didn't understand when I'm stressing myself out in high school because of a test or a paper or whatever. Cause he's like, I didn't care. So I don't understand those who do. And so driving you. getting exactly. And so it took me getting mentors that really helped me pick a pick apart the different why do I care so much about this or why does this drive me crazy or why does this happen? like you can get mentor and some mentors are truly and strictly academic. And then some mentors are more academic, but also they want to make sure that you're good as a person. And so both of those you need both. You need multiple of Absolutely. both. Um, Absolutely. And, and, we, and I think the biggest thing in terms of the education system is getting mentorship as a part of the curriculum way sooner. Way sooner. Absolutely. Like Absolutely. there should be mentoring in fourth grade with, with like, so that they are seeing adults 
there are different things that adults have to do and that they're not just these figures. Because I remember as a kid feeling like adults were just these like they weren't, it wasn't real. I don't know. I don't even know how to explain it. Like it, it was like seeing your teacher in the supermarket. You were like, you eat like, it just, you know what I mean? Like they were just a figure that was there and that you didn't think that they had real lives outside of work or any of that. So I think mentorship is younger and sooner kind of helps students realize that one day you're going to be an adult and one day you're going to be a full person with a full life and when you have a mentor that also cares about that personal aspect of you and the academic aspect of you i think you're able to find that like we talked about earlier that i matter you find that in school because they see you as a person but they also see you as a scholar and that is so 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 important absolutely y'all gave me life this was great it really was. I'm so excited for people to listen work and hear doing. this conversation. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I really appreciate that. And so I end every single episode the same way. I have you guys ask now. You guys are the interviewers. I'm the interviewee. So if you have any questions, I'm more than happy to answer. Mm. How long have you been doing Black on Black Education? I'm sorry? Oh, how long have you been doing this podcast? This will be... I want to say, what is 28 come out this Thursday? It's either 26 or 28. So this will be 29. So it's almost a year since I started the podcast. Um, We didn't stick to our every week, but that's okay. Um, But yeah, I'm I'm almost at 30, which is insane. 30 episodes and it's been great. (laughs) It's been great. Yeah. Thank you. Um, What's your plans? Because I know you graduated. Yes, yes. I don't think I've even said this on the podcast. So um, I graduate from the CUNY Baccalaureate for Unique and Interdisciplinary Studies and also John Jay College. Um, And I'm going to be teaching at Urban Dove Charter School in the Bronx starting in September. So I'm very excited. It's in like Melrose area. So if you take the five train, you get off at Prospect Avenue. Yep, I mm. literally lived in Intervale stop. When you pass mm. on it, you'll see me, my stop. <laughs> <laughs> so that's where, I, that's where I will be, and I'm so super, super excited about it. And then it's just going to be, like, the summer is super dedicated to, like, training and getting ready to teach, but also um, to Black-on-Black education, because in the last month or so, we've definitely ramped up um, workshops and IG live and just various different conversations um, because I have more time now, but I'm very good at filling my time. So <laughs> I've, been, I've been, that's been really great, but I'm super excited to graduate because now it means that new doors are open. Congratulations. Super proud of you. I'm so glad this year is like trash and this pandemic <laughs> happened and you, you got, you absolutely deserved, you know, to walk in all yeah. of this. Are they doing, are, are they planning to like give you guys that opportunity later or is it a done deal? Um, I don't know if CUNY is going to have a CUNY wide decision. Um, mm-hmm. I know in John Jay hasn't really given us much guidance in terms of what is happening. How about Nishima, anything? Um, no, I, I had more of a comment where I think like this platform is amazing and to continue yeah. to do the awesome work that you're doing. Um, just by presence and representation alone, you're doing an awesome job. And so keep it up. 
I and and I would like to I would like to um thank Lauren. Lauren, we did an excellent job in picking Eva for our Thank you. We we love fabulousness when we see it. So all right, thank you guys, and I will talk to you next week. All right.